Hello, and welcome to Foot Bros, where my bro, Keenan, and I talk about football, fantasy football, and much more fun stuffs. How are you doing, Keenan? Hello! I like that little hello you did at the beginning there. It was, uh, it was good fun. <laughs> instant, instant smile. So, uh... Instant bants. All right, without further ado, let's talk about the most entertaining football team in the Premier League right now with back-to-back thrillers. I call on Keenan's favourite team, Chelsea. Yeah, well, Chelsea is stepping up uh, in in the department of delivering entertaining games. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I mean, it's kind of fun being a Chelsea fan right now. Not because they like win everything, but because they're just kind of they're just sort of crazy. <laughs> um, They've sort of got into a, a no holds barred. Uh, let's just let's just go for it kind of attitude that well, leads to four four. Every every week, I find myself wondering: Are they gonna? Are they going to go toe-to-toe with the treble winners, but greatest team on earth? Or are they going to lose to Luton? You know, I, I, it could be either one. It really could. And it's fun. Mystery reigns. I mean, what clearly is happening is they have every ability to, to face off with big teams because they can, they've, got, they've got physicality, speed, you know, quality in the passing and stuff. Um, but they can't break down low blocks because. I don't know. I don't actually know why <laughs> they uh, the two. Uh, they you know, it's just a wall. They can't. They don't quite have the. Uh, I'd I'd say the experience to sort of face yeah. up. But once they do, I think it'll be a uh, be another story. And and the, the the return of Inkunku might help with that because he's he's that kind of like goal scoring individual that that helps with these kind of things. So um, he's the kind of striker who can create create movement run up front that like that that throw throw defenders off and stuff exactly. like that. He's 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 both goal scorer and creator. Uh, you yeah. know, he's not like a number nine traditional number nine so much as he is more of a goal scoring sort of attacking midfielder. I suppose you could could classify him in that way. Um, so yeah, I think I think I mean so I'm excited. You know, I know it's a project and uh, it, 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 there will be setbacks um, for me. So for me, the real test is not the next three games, which are Newcastle, Brighton, and United, because those are you know tr- sort of quality teams. And I I have no doubt they'll put in some sort of a performance. They might win them all, they might lose them all. It doesn't actually matter that much for me. The real test is the the games that come after that against the sort of teams lower down in the table. If they can if they can show a degree of consistency. In beating them or getting good results against them, then uh, I'll be very happy. Then there is hope. And there is hope yet. But yeah, for the, as, as for the game itself, yeah, so another game of chaos, uh, except for this time, the chaos was more to do with actual football and not just VAR <laughs> checks. Uh, yeah, a very entertaining game. Goals, goals galore. And Harlan scored with his butt. Harlan scored with his butt slash testicles, however you want to. <laughs> How do you want to interpret that? We're, we're waiting for the VAR check on which part of his body that actually that actually connected with. Yeah, and then uh, and then and then it'll rebound. Jackson tapped in uh, a Rod- another Rodri uh, cl- clutch goal. Hmm. Even if it was deflected, it's it's so Rodri to do that kind of thing. Yep. And uh, and then Cole Palmer, who I've seen, who you know. Post game, all the chat has been about Cole Palmer and his balls of steel. <laughs> And I mean, and to be fair, the lad, you know, 20 or 21 years old up against his academy team of the team that he was, he's been at since his academy days. Yep. And he just buried it into the back of the net, top corner, nerves of steel. 
He also proved his nerves of steel by trying to listen into a uh, a Man City a Man City free kick chat. I'm great little shit houser, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that it was him of all people, the guy who just left, who's like, "Hey guys, yeah, uh, which what, what you talking about? What are we talking about? Oh yeah, we got to do that that combination. Oh, remind me how that one goes." <laughs> Makes you think you might have actually believed that they might not notice, which is which is brilliant. Yeah, it's worth a shot. You can't blame What's a lad for that? trying, can you? You see Harlan's like reaction, how he just kind of like smilingly shoved him away with, yes. a, with a grin on his face. Yeah, I like that. That was good. I like Harlan. He kind of he, he seems fairly. Uh, I don't know. Like he doesn't take too much too seriously. Yeah, it seems like a, he seems like a uh, he seems like a decent lad. Yeah, I think he. I think that's. I mean, that's part of. It seems to me to be part of why he's so good is that he's. You know, we, I mean, we were talking about Cole Palmer and how he's all, and he's like, you know, really composed, nerves of steel. I feel like Holland is composed because he's sort of, he sort of doesn't care. Or he's, it's not that he doesn't care, yeah. but he's like, he's kind of chill. He's just chill about things. I think chill is the, definitely the right word because, like, you can't quite use humble. <laughs> he doesn't quite no. fit, but he's yeah, not, he's not like, you know, he's not arrogant either. And so it's, it's yeah, I think chill is a good, chill is a good description. No, but it was a great game. Great game for the neutrals. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was a great game for everyone but City, really. And even then, they must have, like, you had to, you had to concede that it was fun. <laughs> well, I was watching it with my, with my friends, and, uh, you know, they asked me if this was an important game for City, and I was like, and I was told about it, and I was like, eh, not really. <laughs> well, I mean, it is I, and it isn't. It isn't because they're, they're top of the game, league. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, they would have still been top of the league if they'd lost. Yeah, but and this is there would have been the opportunity to like they could have they could have pulled away a little more. Whereas right now they're still technically in reach of like of of of, of the three next yeah. teams. The three next teams could could leapfrog City in you know in one game week if City lose. So it's not they they they're not pulling away. Well, speaking of the table, there is uh, a silent team that has made its way into the pack of leaders, and they're in, and they are fifth right now, but only three points away from City, and that's Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, we all sort of we kind of predicted that maybe maybe last season was exceptional and they might drop off, but Emery keeps proving that his him and his lads have got have got the metal to to play with the big boys, and they're. They're trucking along very solidly. Yeah, I mean Unai Emery, yeah, he's done a great job, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah really has. He really That's has. Good. Quality. Aston Villa, you just know they kind of remind me of Liverpool. Like you just know they're going to score goals. Yep. Maybe not keep clean sheets, but but get goals like, every game. Goal scoring football that we love to see, which Tottenham up until they played Chelsea last week were doing very well, and uh, this week. You know, further further evidence of their well, falling apart. That a bit of an upset loss to Wolves, two one. Their entire defense is pretty much sidelined. So, yeah, but um, I'm gonna say I called it. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can legitimately. I'm gonna give you that one. You can legitimately Thanks. say that you called it. You did. You did. Uh, they they are a much better team with some players. You know they're not yeah. they're not terrible without them, but they just they just are better, and that's no there's no shame in that. Mm-mm. But they will they will be looking, I think, at the January transfer window, and yeah. they'll be, and and hopefully 
the owners of Tottenham, Daniel Daniel Levi, I think his name is Levy. Yep. Levi. Levy, I think. He's not been great at. Uh, <laughs> he's not been an amazing owner these last few years. I think Tottenham fans would agree with that. No. But um, we we hope for their sake that he'll look at what's going on. He'll look at Ange Ball and be like, "This is a very exciting, promising brand of football. If I'm willing to fork up some cashola, mm-hmm. give this squad depth, they could really be something in years to come." So we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah. In, in the next sort of couple transfer windows, if they can kind of, yeah, invest in that squad depth. Yep, yep, get, yep. Get, get in Madison and an actual striker. <laughs> <laughs> that would be helpful. I mean, I mean, Son has stepped in very well, but but you can see, you can already tell that without without like a a partner, you know, he's not he's not some he's not a Harlan type or whatever. He can't just he can't just bosh in the goals from absolutely nowhere. Yeah. He needs help. They need they need a, yeah. they need a second striker, like, like yeah, a proper striker, yeah. a number nine. Yeah, yeah, a nine. Uh, Who doesn't? I, they, I um, I saw some I saw someone on TikTok say something interesting, which is that he he believes that we are entering the era of strikers, and that is to say, this you know for the last some years it's been more about those wingers, sort of inverted wingers, coming sort of false nine types. Yeah. Whereas, whereas we're, we're entering an era now where the hottest commodity in football is a number nine who can score you lots of goals, which is I would agree with. You know, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true as well. And and it's it's sort of it mirrors something that we were discussing uh, a while back, which is the fact that the football is becoming more and more uh, it's it's becoming more and more position specific in that the era of the Messi is, is, is also the era of, of the player that can run an entire field, can play pretty much anywhere on the, on the pitch, still store score goals and, and can like carry a team practically on their own. And that's fading in favor of, of a football where players are, are tailor made for their position, like Haaland, strong, Mm -hmm powerful clinical not necessarily the guy that's going to also be able to break off and then cross whip in wonderful crosses into the box but is just on the end of every ball in the right space and is a is a brilliant striker as opposed to a brilliant all-round footballer and i think that's becoming less and less important and it's becoming more and more important to have players that are just 100 percent perfect for their position and because your team is it's really like it's a it's a it's a succession of players in specific positions that are doing their job perfectly. Yeah, that's more of a system. Yeah, yeah. Kaka, the the Brazilian number ten, who's sort of the, the preeminent number ten of of recent years. Um, he he says he said that the number ten position kind of doesn't exist anymore, in his opinion. That it's not because the the midfield is now so sort of crowded. Mm. Um, players that there isn't like you say you had this you had this sort of messy type who who also was a 10 in a way sometimes a winger but you'd have types like that who really could like cover the whole of the sort of attacking midfield zone and really just be doing everything and now the expectation is for the midfield to be crowded out which is maybe why we're now seeing more of these striker types because if you're if you're having less of these players you can just run around and score you need someone who can finish the chances as they come, which is, you know, I'm talking about Chelsea and how, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's been saying that what they've been missing is a, is a proper striker. 
And I think part of the reason for that is you can you can see how many chances they've been creating. But when you have these sort of tactics that teams are playing, if you don't have a player who can finish those chances, then you're missing out. Yep. That's, that's yeah. some solid analysis right there, mate. Such analysis. <laughs> Get us on TV. Get us on Sky Sports. Get us on like, Sky what? Sports. What Micah and Callag are doing on there? Bring on the bros. <laughs> we should have a segment. We should have a segment. We'll get that. We'll get that. One day meet. One day meet. We're also coming off of the back of a uh, of a pretty uh, a pretty prolific FPL week as well. Big points. Most of the people in my mini leagues have uh, got 70, 70 points or upwards. The ones around me. Like nineties in the nineties, even you got ninety points, didn't you? This this week, yeah, I did. It's it was it was a good week for everyone, but it was yeah, I did. I was very happy with this week. Um, I think I made the the correct decision to captain Salah. Uh, I it seems I've noticed that like when it comes to me and you, anyway, you you've been much better this this season at like um, anticipating players, the ones that are going to kick on and get calls, the maybe the sort of at the time of you choosing them, I'm not on everyone's radar. And where I've managed to call back some points is by making the correct captain picks. So yes. um, maybe that has to just be my strategy. <laughs> the right captain uh, picks. No, this was a good week. And uh, well, for anyone who owns Simicast, who got 15 points. So I think you did too, right? I did. Yeah, double digit haul for Simicast, double digit haul for Salah, double digit haul for Haaland. Yeah. That's a lot of. A lot of points. A lot of points. A lot of heavily owned players that, that got a lot of points there as well. Yeah, I should have captained Salah. That was... that was. Well, I mean, you're not the only one. I think I heard on the FPL pod that uh, someone said they just didn't even think about it. And I was like, why, why would you not even think about Salah? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I guess I guess the people think Brentford are like a... Yeah, like a low block team. But, not you know, Liverpool are not Chelsea. They can actually uh, break down those teams. Yep. <laughs> so... <laughs> Watkins also got got some points, didn't he? That's the captain you went. That with. was my captain. He got he got a goal, so it wasn't a blank. Yeah. I got you know I can walk away with blank, twelve but... points, but yeah. But I was jealous. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't captain Son because that was a consideration. And I think yeah, when I was I thought about what I said on our last podcast mm-hmm. about Tottenham struggling, and I decided to back my gut. Um, so that's probably that's good. But yeah, Salah and Haaland would have gotten you the same result. So um Yeah, that would have been that would have been better. But yeah, and I also I I also went against my own advice that I gave in our first episode when I said you should stick with the same captain. And instead of doing that, I changed it up and I got punished for it. So listen to your own advice, mate. That is what we're learning here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is what we're learning. <laughs> your own advice. If you because like even if you get it wrong, you're like, all right, that was, you know, that was my, that was my initial decision. And I backed myself. But if you like change your, change it up and then you get that wrong, you're like, oh God. Yeah. It's, it's, what yeah. Done? it's even worse. It's the second guessing. <laughs> it's the second guessing. But then sometimes the second guessing is good. Like I had said for last week that I was going to not, uh, I wasn't going to do any, any transfers and I was going to, to roll. And I ended up. To be fair, I made that decision when Madison, we didn't know how long he was going to be out for. And then when uh, it came through that he was going to be out until January, I sold him for Saka, which, you know, got me points as well because Saka got an assist. Changing your mind is fine when you're like presented with new information or you think of something new. Yeah. 
Uh, it's really just when you, you flip-flop for no reason. Yes, that's, that's true. Um, coming on to next week, Liverpool and City are playing each other, which will be a very fun game. But for FPL, what does that mean? Who are you going to captain? Um, I'm honestly thinking about captaining Bowen against Burnley. Because oh. okay. West Ham okay. are on decent form. Uh at least they're on decent goal-scoring form. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're on decent goal-scoring form. Bowen is on decent form himself. I don't know how that Liverpool City game is going to play out, and I don't know. I've I'm currently vice captaining Haaland, and I may switch back to Haaland. I'm going to spend time thinking about that, but I definitely would favour Haaland over Salah because I'm not sure that Liverpool have the metal to break down City even if City mm-hmm. aren't looking at their most, uh, their most impenetrable as things. Yeah. Happened. So, well, I, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I've captained, so I've done similar, but, but, but not, <laughs> I've got the captain on Harland and the vice on Bowen. Um, I think, well, yeah, maybe City are not impenetrable. That doesn't really matter if you're Harland because, uh, of course he's not. Defender. So, um, uh, yeah, I've I've got El Holland over Sa- over Salah because it's I think it's an important factor that it's at the Etihad. City seem to be really good when it comes at the Etihad. They're all, I mean they're really good absolutely everywhere, but even more so at home mm-hmm. for whatever reason. They I don't think they've been beaten at home for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> like I heard I heard some stats about this. It. It's been it's been so long since they've been beaten at home. So actually, that raises an interesting question. Well, I don't know if I'd want to do this for, for the Liverpool game, but I'm so I'm currently sitting on uh, defensively speaking. I've got Dan Byrne, who's out with an injury. He's out for ages. Uh, yeah. I've got Ben White, who's injured, but there's the international break, and he's not that injured, so maybe he'll come back. In any case, I'm keeping him because Arsenal have some decent fixtures, and because you know he's he's not severely injured, but. For next game week, he may be sidelined because he's got a minor thing. And I have Simicas, who I really don't want to be playing against City. Um, And so I'm thinking maybe I need to, maybe it's time to relieve Dan Byrne of his functions and uh, and get get someone in. Given that I can't afford like a trip here, uh, or I I think I can afford a five, five mil is about as far as it goes. In your opinion, is there a team I should be looking at? Because looking at the fixtures, there's no one who's like amazing. Burnley have good fixtures, but Burnley are also bottom of the table and and being awful. So I'm not getting a Burnley defender. I like Everton's direction they're going in right now, but Everton have some tough fixtures coming up as well. So I don't know. Are you talking about getting a defender? I am. And how much? What's your budget? My budget is technically six million i don't really want to be spending more than five and a bit though uh and have you got an arsenal defender yet well i have been, like i said i have ben white but oh, ben white. yeah i was gonna say silly but i mean ben white he's a bit rotation prone nah he's got he's ben white is the fourth uh top scoring defender oh really in the game okay well, um i don't know what have you and you've got anderson right I don't have Anderson. I have Johnston. But I don't have Anderson. Maybe Anderson's the one to, to go for. He's the I second. What I've seen some people do is, get, is uh, go for Maguire, actually, because he seems to have reclaimed his 
starting position. And United, despite their sort of jammy 1-0 wins, they do tend to win 1-0 or something to that effect and keep clean sheets quite a lot. So a United defender could be a shout. Yeah, it could be a shout. I'll have a look at that. The other team I'm having a look at is, uh, is Forest. Because Forest right. are actually playing pretty well at the moment. Uh, they're not being incredible, but they're playing pretty well. I mean, they beat Aston Villa, and we were saying how good Aston Villa are right now. They beat them two 0 which means that you know they did a did a solid number on them, and uh, and they've got a very nice string of fixtures coming up. So maybe like Will Bowley or something like that. That could be in a could be a possibility. I'm going to study this, and I will get back to you. There are two weeks, so you know we've got the international break, which means we've got a lot of time to think about this. So I'm going to I'm going to take as much time as I need to make the right decision, but not second-guess myself, but make the right decision. You do that. I will. <laughs> I've, uh, uh, I've been saying, you know, I've been saying for like three weeks now that I've been wanting to get Cole Palmer. Um, wish I had, because he's got a bunch of points since I first started saying it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still think I won't get him, because <laughs> I'd have to take out... Well, I only just got Gordon. Um... And I so I'd rather not take him out. And then Mitoma, I so he's playing Forest next, and then Chelsea. And I'd rather have well, uh, I'd probably rather have. I'd, I I think I might use the after the Forest game to transfer Mitoma to Palmer, and then use that money to get Trippier. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. And um, my next week, I at the moment this may change because as as we discussed, it's almost two weeks away. But at the moment, I've got Archer on for Gordon, so Gordon's on my bench, and, and Archer's on. My- playing against Bournemouth at home mm-hmm. so I feel like good shout good that's, shout yeah that's a place where you can get you might be able to get points yeah I think um, I think I think Archer is is a good bench warmer but he's also got that potential scored nine points game week before last so yeah I mean I don't you know I don't honestly I don't necessarily think Gordon is more likely to score against true. Chelsea than Archer against Bournemouth yeah so we'll see and then and then the other player I'm keeping my eye on is Son um I don't think I'll sell him right now because they're playing Aston Villa at home next and that he might be able to score in that one. But if he doesn't, the one after that, the game after that is City away. So keeping my eye on him. Good plan. Good plan. Uh, well, outside the Premier League, uh, Mbappe got a, a lovely little hat-trick. It really was a lovely hat-trick. He did some some beautiful classic striker movements to get those goals. And uh, you know, it just—it's just a reminder that we've got—we've got a nice handful of youngish players who who are going to carry on the torch of being the sort of poster boys of football in the modern era. And you know, now that now that the Messi Ronaldo era is basically over, neither of them are going to win the Ballon d'Or next year. Let's be real. We have this handful of young superstars and also people like Harry Kane, who we won't forget. He's not young, but he is. Let's just never killing. forget Harry Kane. Never forget Harry Kane. But otherwise, we've got a handful of young superstars, thinking namely Mbappe, Haaland, Bellingham, and maybe at a push like Vinicius Jr. or sort of Rafael Leal, maybe, mm. but more so those first three. And it, it begs the question, and uh, the question I beg of you is. What does this mean for the next year's Ballon d'Or? Well, Keenan. Or like, or, or if you'd love uh, for answering in a different way, who might, who's going to get the most 
be the most like dominant winner in the next like ten years, for example. Like who who's going to be the one who like if they're not the favorite, they're winning it, it or rather if they're not one of the top three, they're they're winning it. The envelope uh, has come in. I'm opening it now. Yeah, and uh, it says La La Land. Oh no, that's the wrong. <laughs> um, now I would yeah. say I would say so. I, there, there is there are separate questions in there, and I think there are. I think it's going to be, as things stand, a sort of two-horse race between Haaland and Bellingham, with Mbappe constantly knocking at the door but never quite being let in for as long as he's at PSG. And, um, and however, I think next year it could be Harry Kane if he keeps on going the way he's going uh, and if England do anything not awful over the course of the next year. But if England do anything, then Bellingham's up there. Yeah, but I think I think if England do anything, it might have to depend on on club. It would depend on club, but they're both going in great form. But I think if I if I were Ballon d'Or picking, just because of of like of like history, I'd go Kane, and then I'll be like Bellingham's going to win it in the next four years anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, just think, uh, I think like it might be a bit of a leap to go from Copper to to Ballon d'Or in 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 one year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, that's, and to be honest, England, uh, England. Yeah, Harry Kane is England's talisman. Like, like that's also just the perception of it. And I feel like perception matters. Yep. So if so, if England win a tournament, for example, like they win the next Euros, you know, people will be like, "Wow, you know, Bellingham really had a hand in that." But who who led that team? It was Harry Kane. Yeah, it's going to be Kane's know? win, definitely. Um, yeah, it'll be Kane's win, and then Bayern. You know, we're already seeing what he's doing at Bayern. I have no doubt that he'll continue smashing records and scoring goals uh, this year. So, yeah, if they win the Bundesliga, get relatively far in the Champions League. Who knows? Who knows? But then, but then the, the annoying thing about Real Madrid is they're always there. Ready to win the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> they are always but there. But it's a shame about Mbappe sort of knocking on the door. Because a lot of people call him the best player in the world. But he is like 26 now, I think. And he's never been that close to winning it, even though he plays for France, you know. And that's a that's a helpful team to play for when you're when you're a footballer. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I think really it is PSG that's dragging him down. So Maybe if he gets the move this summer. Yep. The takeaway is it's a it's a new era, it's a new dawn, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see how these players sort of push each other and which one, if any, of them come out on top. It's a new dawn. It might be Gandalf. It's the fifth day, and we're all looking to the east right now. <laughs> and he comes riding in a golden ball at his feet. <laughs> He's just netted a hat trick for Rohan. Uh, Rohan FC. Between the <laughs> between the gates of Mordor, it's Sauron's fault. He built too big a goal. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Tristan, I want to play a game with you. Go for it. And and like an actual fun game, not like a sore game. Um so this game, so this game is Basically, quick fire. Although I do want, I do want to hear a bit of reasoning from you. But right. quick fire player matchup. I'm going to give you two players who in the Premier League who play relatively similar positions, and I want you to tell me who you who you'd pick. Okay. All right. You ready? Okay. 
All right, Son or Saka? Go. Saka, uh, because I think Son is actually slightly better than Saka, but Son is is hitting peak or has hit peak, whereas Saka is has got has got acres of space left to to grow and become even better. I would also pick Saka, and to be honest, I don't even necessarily think Son is better. I prefer Son; like I actually really like Son, um, but I think Saka is. I think he has a bit more consistency Fair. about him, even at his young age, Fair. and possibly a bit more talent. So I would go Saka. Okay, next is uh, even Tony or Callum Wilson. Uh, Tony, if he can stay off the betting. <laughs> Tony, Tony, when he's not gambling. Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'd also agree. Callum Wilson is a is a really good and possibly underrated um, striker. Like he he's one of the best finishers in the Premier League, I'd say. But Tony is probably a more complete player, mm-hmm. at least at the moment. Um, who would you, by the way, unrelated? And I'm getting sidetracked. But who would you take as your second striker uh, behind Harry Kane in in the England squad? Like who who would you use as his backup? Jude Bellingham. <laughs> uh gotta be walking yeah 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 all right poor tony sorry tony all right well but between these two as the third striker there's a debate yes <laughs> not that they'd ever play all right next reese james or trent alexander arnold reese james but it's hard to look past the fact that he gets injured every five weeks yeah, it is. It is not. It is an annoying thing. Um, I suppose the reason, like, uh, yeah, I hear other people say that, and the, my initial reaction is like, well, that's not really relevant. But I suppose the reason it might be is that, you know, w- what we're seeing, like, literally right now, is that he's playing, but they're having to like manage his fitness. So he comes off after like seventy minutes or so, and he might not necessarily be completely sharp when he's back from injury. I mean, not not the not in the last game against City, he really did well there, but like in you know the very first one so it does it is a bit of an interrupting factor isn't it yeah. um but i would take reese james as well i think he's a, a more complete right back anyway trent trent's probably a more like creative outlet uh which is why we see him move into like midfield sometimes but mm-hmm. in terms of like right back qualities yeah gotta take reese okay next one is declan rice or casimiro declan rice you okay, you, you didn't caveat that, but I will. <laughs> Probably yes right now, but Casemiro is a five-times Champions League winner, and uh, let, let's not forget that. Yes, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, might, I'm kind of basing this on right now, I'm not going to lie. But, yeah, no, as you should, as you should. But uh, it is worth mentioning that he, he's past his best now, but he is a bit of a, bit of a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Saliba or Ruben Diaz? I'm... Yes, but mm-hmm. but Saliba's on better form. But DS is a general rule, I think. Yeah, Diaz Diaz is more proven. Diaz is more proven, so and yeah, no, I mean he's and continues to to prove. <laughs> it's yeah. there's no no doubt about that. But Saliba is on great form, and he is a great player. Yeah, agreed. Okay, uh, Palace is Eze or West Ham's Bowen. Jared Bowen. 
You take Bowen, would you? I'd take Bowen, and I. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think for the first time I'm going to disagree. Ooh. I'll take Eze. Okay. He uh, you just watch him play, and he's just so exciting. You, you know, his his movement is fabulous. You you take him in any you take him in a big six team quite easily. Whereas Bowen, I don't know if you would. That's my argument. Uh, fair point. Um. Okay. Tonali or Palinia? I've noticed a theme here. Uh, lads that have problems with betting. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's kind of the same. I'm, I'm not going to, I want to say Tonali, but <laughs> maybe it's the T-O-N. Look, it's the same. It's look, looking for the, looking for the similarities. It's the ton in there. It's causing problems. It's causing problems. It clearly is. Uh, yeah, I want to say Tonali, but it's, again, it's the same problem. It's like, you know, a player that, a player that you can't, that can't play is not a good player. By definition, <laughs> he's not playing. He's not playing well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, torn, torn is Korean for money, so uh, that's nothing. But it's uh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> okay, Madison or Odegaard? I like this one. That is tough. I feel like there's a there's a bit of a recency. If you're looking at recent form, you'd go Madison all day long. Yeah. Uh, but Odegaard's been there doing that for a, for 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 a while now. But despite that, I'm still going to say Madison because he was playing for Leicester, and Leicester were not that good these last couple of years. But he was like their best player, probably. Mm-hmm. And now he's showed up so at what? Tottenham, and now he's Tottenham's best player, which is pretty impressive. That is true. He's, he's come to Tottenham. He's made all the difference. Some pundits have called him the most important player in the league right now. There's a debate there. Um, so yeah, I'll pick Madison. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, and the last one. This is this is the goalkeepers. Uh, Pickford or Edison? Quite different profiles, so you have to think about. Them. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to pick between a shot stopper and a distributor. Yes, you're also asking me to pick the best face tats. Um... <laughs> Gotta be Edison for the face tats. <laughs> it is Edison for the face tats. Yeah. I'm as a keeper myself, I am a I am a big fan of the shot stopping of the shot stopping lads. And uh, I am learning, I'm learning now with the team that I'm playing with right now, uh, has put a lot of importance in in distribution out the back. So I'm learning to play out the back better. And uh, mm. I am I am learning to 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 do some of that. Uh, but it's, nothing beats a solid double save, and you know Pickford. Pickford pulls those off. Pickford pulls those off. Even though it's not, it's, it should not be forgotten that Edison is a good shot stopper as well. It's just that he's, he's less tested because because of the team he's playing for. But uh, but I think I think for the fun factor, I'm going to pick Pickford. Yeah, I agree with Pickford too. I mean, Edison is a great keeper, but. He's also in a great team, and he actually lets in a few, a fair few, considering that he faces about one shot every game. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there is, and there is just something really entertaining about Pickford and his heroics. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like I feel like you want. I mean, I know, I know, the modern game has really evolved towards the sort of sweeper keeper, good ace feet type. But you know, I feel like at the end of the day, if you put someone between the sticks, you want you want to know that they're. Kind of do everything they can to 
save that ball. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's a tough one. Okay. Thank you for playing. It, it seems we agreed on most of those. We did. We um, did. I'm curious to, so, uh, to, to, to know what, what other people listening thought about that one. About yeah. Who. They might have thought we were chatting shit. <laughs> um, Which they might actually think about the entire podcast. Who knows? Possible. You know, and that's, we, we encourage you to, uh, you know, challenge our shit talking. Mm-hmm. All right, lads, before we go, uh, it is time for this week's Wacky Sport. And this week's Wacky Sport, you've probably heard of. It's called Quidditch. Quidditch. Quidditch? Quidditch. The uh, famous Harry Potter game that you, you're probably aware of with one of the silliest rules being that the seeker costs 150, gets you 150 points basically making redundant the entire rest of the game. I'm not going to go over all the rules for you. If you don't know them, I'm before, I, uh, before you move on, I, I, there's a very hilarious meme analogy I've heard, which is that <laughs> imagine, so when talking about Quidditch, it's like, imagine there's like a really exciting game of, of basketball happening in front of you that you're watching, but then the whole thing has to stop because somebody caught a frog in the car park outside. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I've seen that as well, and I think that's a pretty accurate description. Well, it's just true though, because the whole the whole snitch thing. Not only yeah, not only does it make the game redundant, but it all happens away from the stadium, which is very funny. And actually, the the real life version of Quidditch, the real life version of Quidditch exists. There is particularly in the states a big uh, Quidditch community, and it has actually now it's now called Quadball because following. Uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, diminishing popularity because of her stances on on uh, on transgender people. She has uh, they have changed the name, so it's not called Quidditch. It's called Quadball now. But the rules are the same, except the the snitch is only worth thirty points because they clearly found that to be ridiculous as well. The snitch, mm-hmm. you might ask me, what could possibly replace a winged flying ball, uh, which you can't have in real life, obviously. Well, it's a dude who uh, is all dressed in yellow with a big snitch written in letters on his back. And he's got a ball hanging in a sock tucked into his shorts. And uh, the seekers have to catch the ball, basically. One of the fun things about real life Quidditch or quad ball is that uh, everybody has to straddle a stick uh, as they run around trying to score, trying to score between the, between the hoops. Which actually looks pretty hard to do because try and be like effectively athletic with uh, with a stick between your legs, and I think it's 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 not as easy as as we might be thinking it is. Especially because this game actually involves tackling. You can tackle a player that has the ball, so you have to tackle somebody whilst holding a stick between your legs. So the 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 the, the whole thing looks looks a lot more challenging than you might think, and I'm actually curious. Yeah. So this is real life. That's real life Quidditch or quad ball again. Yeah. Worth checking now, out. Quick question. quick question. Does it is it like in um, Harry Potter Quidditch where if you catch the snitch, the game ends? Yes, it does end. That that is what ends the game. But okay, so uh, if you're if you're more than thirty points behind, you would probably the what your does your strategy switch to trying to prevent the other team from catching it? Yes, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Give your give your team as much time to 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 deal with that, and to avoid games being too short, the snitch is only introduced uh, the uh, at the seventeenth minute, and the seekers at the eighteenth minute. So the snitch gets onto the field, has a bit of time to 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 get warmed up, and then the seekers come on, and so there's eighteen minutes of play, but before before the the game can end, technically. Because as soon as the seekers right. come into play, then the game could end at any moment. So to avoid games lasting thirty seconds, because some guy managed to get this snitch pretty quickly, it's it's after eighteen minutes and that happens. But there's also the question, speaking of Quidditch, of uh, I think Quidditch is soon to become a major esport as well. Porky Games, who made Hogwarts Legacy, uh, in which they very deliberately made it so that Quidditch was not part of the game. Uh, are releasing a very sp- a specific Quidditch game called Quidditch Champions, which should be coming out sometime in 2024, which is going to be a game solely geared towards uh, towards Quidditch, a sort of FIFA for Quidditch. And uh, I reckon if they've done a good job, that could quickly uh, quickly morph into a big eSport. So hmm. that's that's one to 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 keep a keep an eye on as well. I think I'll get into we into we sports. Might get into we sports <laughs> as well, but I'll get into esports as 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 we go along for the wacky for the wacky sports. Actually, All right, I see. That's an interesting angle. That mm. wacky esports, yeah, wacky esports. And there's one more point I'd like to make about Quidditch. Uh, this is real life Quidditch quad ball. One of the things that makes it a unique sport is it's the it's uh, it's one of the only sports in the world that is played with uh you have to have a mixed gender team in that you're only allowed of the there are seven there are seven players on the pitch at any given time and at any given time you're not allowed more than five players of the same gender on the on the on the pitch and uh, it is the uh, it's i believe the only sport that has like a professional league and that recognizes uh non-binary genders so that you can have uh, for for people who identify as 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 male, two female, and a, and a non-binary person, or, or any, any 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 other combination that you want, as so long as you don't have more than five yeah. of one gender. So there you have it, folks. That was this week's wacky sport and this week's uh, foot bros. Thanks for listening, and see you later, Kiki. See you, bro. Bye, boy.